This is Brendan Sir with another Coaching You Basketball podcast. I think you're really going to enjoy today because David Fizzell, the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, is our guest. What you're going to hear from uh, Fizz is talking about his experience coaching the Big Three in Miami, working with the great Eric Spolstra, one of the great young coaches in our game, what it was like uh, coaching in the playoffs against San Antonio, and even his infamous rant post game and uh you know and i i think you what you're going to find is the key to his coaching is all about relationships his connection with players i think you're really going to enjoy it now a word from our sponsors our friends at crossover want to help you coach smarter and win more games they'll cut and tag your game film for you giving you back interactive shot charts searchable clips and advanced statistics in just 12 hours stop wasting time in the film room doing all that tedious prep work simply log in and start getting powerful analysis straight from your video even if you think you already know what these guys are all about i suggest you take another look their new insights, features, create hex spin charts and shooting efficiency reports for you and your opponents. Something you're not going to get with Huddle or anybody else. Get the boys and girls teams on board and you'll both save 10%. Add on football, volleyball, lacrosse, hockey or soccer and your savings go up from there. Sign up at www.crossover.com forward slash coaching you to receive one free game. That's crossover with a K dot com slash coaching you to get one free game fast model sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation fast model has developed the industry's best coaching software including the number one play diagramming and playbook software fast draw FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. Fast Model is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access... To these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting 
industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of coaching you for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You Basketball podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir, and our guest today, uh, a dear, dear friend and someone I really respect so much in our business, David Fisdale, the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. Good morning, coach. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. Well, hey, uh, you know, for years I've been a total, total admirer and fan uh, from when you got in the league at Golden State to, to Atlanta, but especially when you got to Miami and you got to be with uh, a really close friend in Eric Spolstra. Uh, talk about uh, the relationship that you and Spo have. Uh, I, I would consider him a brother, right? you know. I would uh, I wouldn't even call it a friendship. We I, I would I guarantee you he would say the same thing. It's just um it's beyond that, you know, because when you um when somebody like that does so much for you, you know, and and really looks out for you the way that he's looked out for me, and um, has given me a pathway to get to where I am, you know, my my loyalties and, and the way that I protect him and the way that I will always look out for him is as a brother. And so he knows that, and uh, you know, I owe a lot of my basketball perspective to Spo. You know, uh, you know, I've known him since he was a ball boy with the Blazers, and his daddy, uh, (laughs) you know, was a great exec with Portland. Then, when Chuck Daly and I went from the Pistons to the Nets in New Jersey, his dad became president and right. a dear, dear friend of Chuck's and mine. And, uh, and then you can see, uh, you know, the pedigree as you like to use that word, I know, but <laughs> the pedigree of Eric and, uh, his daddy, yep. John, you know, they're really special folks. Um, you know, Eric, uh, you know, was a terrific player as you know, uh, mm-hmm. in college and stuff and playing in that powerhouse WCC, the greatest Catholic league in America at the Listen, time. The best, I love it. The best it. thing happened to him is that he graduated before I got in. <laughs> because at, at San Diego, me. you would oh, have kicked yeah. his butt, oh, yeah. right? That matchup, that would have been a hard time for him. You know, we, we, we talk crap all the time about <laughs> how we would have killed each other back in our old WCC days. <laughs> well, let's talk about that powerhouse, the WCC, and particularly – maybe one of the most beautiful campuses in America, the University yeah. of San Diego, uh, mm-hmm. which we all say in coaching, oh, I'd do anything to have that job. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, know, you know, Another another one of my brothers is the head coach there. He played with me. Oh, Lamont, what a, what a super guy. And, yes. and, and, and so, you know, what, one of the things, how has uh, back in the day when uh, the NFL was starting, you know, they used to say the Miami of Ohio is the cradle of coaches, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and how has the University of San Diego become the cradle of coaching and administrators in the NBA? Uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's an anomaly. I think I just, yeah. you know, obviously Bernie kickstarted yep. it, um, being the first guy to get in there and really make an impact on the league and create a great reputation for himself. Um, you know, I think that was the start of it. And then, you know, when Mike Brown came along, um, Coach Egan, 
Um, yeah, Hank. Talk, yeah, Hank Egan talked to Bernie for Mike Brown and and talked to him about you know maybe him being some kind of intern. You know, and that was before you know video rooms were really video rooms. Yeah. And uh, Bernie said, "Yeah, bring him on, and we'll figure out you know what we can do for him." And you know the rest was kind of history from there. Mike laid the groundwork, uh, and Chris Grant followed after that. Neil Meyer was right behind him, and. Um, and then I came along and, and Mike got me to, um, Miami with Spo and in in, as an intern in the video room, cause they had played against each other, um, you know, in the WCC. So, um, you know, and if just from there, we've just kind of always tried to pick another guy up, you know, and, but and, we we're very selective about who we allow to, to, that we're going to help even in the San Diego family. Yeah. You know, and, and, um, and, you know, our, it's a, we really take a lot of pride in our in our school and our reputation in the NBA and in college. Um, you know, we got a few guys like I said, Lamont Smith is a is obviously a graduate of USD, um, and he's a heck of a coach coaching there right now. And I I actually you know honorarily make Randy Bennett and Kyle Smith uh, also USD guys because they were my assistant coaches when I was there. So. You know, that, that had a lot to do with developing me, Chris Grant, Mike Brown, and to guys that think the game from a coaching standpoint, from an executive standpoint, you know, and we've all stayed in, in real close touch with each other. And so, you know, it's just a really cool thing, I think, that, that such a small school that's not even considered a basketball school um, has created, um, you know, some really good basketball people. You know, and, and, and Musselman would be really pissed if we don't mention him. You know, right? I, I just talked to Must the other day. Yeah. But, you know, Must kind of, Must went in on his own path. Yes, he did. Um, you know, Bernie was the one that kind of jump-started all of us. But, you know, Must and his dad are really the the, the true first of of our family to get there. And, and Must took a whole different route, you know, and uh, really uh, – uh, was a cool route the way he went about it and, and through the CBA, you know, before it was a D league, the only people remember the CBA, the Florida beach dogs. And, you know, he learned both sides of it over there where he was head coaching and running the front office stuff. And, um, you know, he really, really uh, created his own pathway to it, you know, different than ours. And, you know, I owe Muss a lot because he gave me my first assistant coaching job in the NBA. Um, you know, goals, really, really sight state. unseen. Yeah. It was just a USD thing. He trusted Chris Grant. He trusted Mike Brown when they said, this is the guy. Muss and I did not know each other very well. We just knew of each other. And, that? man, he just pulled me up. And, uh, you know, we, he and I have been close ever since. Like I said, we just – yesterday we were just texting back and forth about some kids that I, I should look at. And, and I'm begging him to teach me something about offense. <laughs> so, you know, we got a cool family, man. We got a, we got a really cool thing. And, um, you know, we all look out for each other. We all root for each other. You know, obviously Mike Brown right now is doing his thing in the finals. And, and what a full circle redemption story that is, you know, being let go by Cleveland twice and now being the guy, the head coach of the other team that can, can tear their hearts out. You know, and that's uh, that's a heck of a storyline. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's funny. You know, Eric's one of my best friends, and we worked together in Orlando, and we coached against each other in the CBA, and uh, you know, and then I replaced him at LSU. I mean, you talk yep. about this is just crazy, and I had to talk him into coming to LSU before that <laughs> because my daughter had gone here, and uh, and so I knew this place, and uh, he's really one of the basketball geniuses that I oh. think are out there and he knows personnel. I, when he was in the CBA, 
I used to tell my friends, I'd already been 15 years in the NBA, and I used to tell my NBA friends, Eric Musselman is better than any GM in the NBA. He knows every, he knows every player in the world where they are. Every single one. Yeah, and, and, yep. and you'll love this visit. He, right now with his college program at Nevada, uh, when he sits down and has a recruiting meeting, he was telling me the other day in a podcast that he talks about the players that they're going after if the kid's a great player he says this is a lottery pick <laughs> and, right. and then he talks about transfers as free agents he mm-hmm. makes it the language that he knows and that's I think what he that's, knows and that's, that's brilliant what he knows. and, and that's absolutely uh, brilliant like you said i think you really phrased it right and i don't think enough people know that about him is he is a basketball genius he is um offensively i don't think i've i've ever been around somebody that is so innovative and and you know, understands how to attack matchups, um, you know, understands how to teach teams to run without, you know, he doesn't, and he never overdoes it. He just, he, he teaches it enough to let the players play within the framework. Uh, you know, those Golden State teams that he had, they, those teams could score, man. And that last year when I was there with them, you know, we were so banged up, but he still, we still scored at a high level. And, and, if, uh, you, and if you ever tell people about who was on Eric's team at Golden State, it's like an all-star team of what they turned into right. you know, with the Gilbert Arenas and, you know, Antoine Jameson and uh, Jason Richardson and all these cats that he had. I mean, these kids, Troy, Troy Murphy, you know, and all mm-hmm. these guys, I mean, you know, you know, he and Saint, you know, they put together a pretty good squad. They just weren't patient enough. I don't think it, you know, no, they weren't. And, you know, I think uh, if you just look at the contracts of the guys that must had that year and what they went on to do, Eric Dampier ended up going to Dallas after that, making a huge contract after playing for Mus. Um, you know, Adonis Foyle was another guy that got a huge contract after playing for Mus. Mike Dunleavy. Um, you had a lot of guys, um, you know, that, that, came through that Golden State system that were, you know, that got contracts after playing there. Great point. Um, you know, which was really cool to see. And and a lot of that had to do with the way Musk allowed guys to play freely and, and really, um, you know, all be a part of the game. One, one of the things that you mentioned that I think is so, um, so different uh, from college to pro is you mentioned it, matchups, attacking yeah. matchups. College coaches – this is a generality. No clue. No clue about understanding that. Pro guys, it's in their DNA, the really yeah. good ones. Um, you know, and, you know, when when now, and, and you have a very unique team with Memphis, I think. You know, you have two traditional bigs where everyone mm-hmm. else is saying small. You know, you got Marcus Gasol and you got Zebo. I, I mean, these are guys that, you know, can flat out post up. They can take you outside, but they, if you get people to, if they switch a small onto those guys, they'll punish them. Right. How do you play in a, in a league now that's de-emphasized bigs, but you, your strength is bigs. Uh, how do you, how did you approach that this year? Um, that's a good question. I really uh, put a lot of thought into that, um, you know, because I didn't want to change so much that these guys would be totally out of their comfort zone, right. you know, that's late into, in their careers and trying to make them do something that's just, you know, not realistic. So I looked at what was realistic, you know, with the group, and I said, you know, I still want to take advantage of the fact that Zebo is such a dominant post player, that Mark is such a good post player. And I looked at my bench and I said, man, I don't have anything on my bench. So I said, you know, one way I can – 
adapt to what the NBA is today without necessarily changing a whole lot. It's just moving Zebo to the bench and bringing him off the bench and breaking he and Mark's minutes up to where um, you get a little more spacing and speed on the floor so that you can defend all of this stuff. And, you know, because that's a big part of it. It's like, yeah, you can beat teams to death now, but they'll give you twos over, you know, if they can get those threes, mm-hmm. you know. And so you may win a couple of those games, but in the big, in the, in the long term, more possessions, more points per, per possession is going to win. And so, you know, I broke them up where they didn't play as much together. Um, but I also emphasize to them that when they do, how they help each other is being able to make an open three. And how they help Mike become more is being able to make an open three. You know, not hunting for bad shots or anything like that, but if a team just leaves you open, be able to rope it. And um, both guys really bought into that and really spent a lot of time on becoming better three-point shooters. Um, you know, and at the same time, I just made a conscious effort to continue to get them high levels of touches. I think Mark might have been the number one touch, do- touch guy in the league this year. Wow. Um, just from the standpoint of because he touched the ball so much for us in so many different places. You know, whether it was the elbow, the post, you know, the swing, you know, across the high top. And, um, you know, we put him in every situation possible because uh, he's such a tough matchup. And then Zebo, for sure, I know, had his highest usage rate of his career um, coming off the bench this year. So, um, you know, I was really happy with the way they adapted to, to what I wanted. And then, you know, we had to do a we had to really make a big emphasis on defending the three point line better than they had in the past. Um, you know, with, with bigger, slower guys, um, how do you do it and how do you adapt to that? So we really defensively tried to focus on that and do a better job. And uh, we tried to keep ourselves out of rotations. Um, you know, we tried to limit that, the amount of times we were actually in scrambles. Um, we really made an emphasis on, on teaching closeouts and, and really understanding how to get guys off the line uh, without fouling, um, you know, and contesting shots and things like that. So, um you know, I, I really thought the guys bought into that. I thought they really tried to execute what we were putting forth as a, from a systematic standpoint. Um, you know, and, and I thought that we saw some good results from it. You have a terrific point guard, Mike Conley, who was uh, injured. Uh, you know, he's injured a, a, a good part of the year. And when you lose a player of that quality, probably, I mean, everyone in the league knows how good he is, but probably one of the more unheralded guys for how good he is, uh, his contract doesn't bear it. I mean, finally, he's you know getting a hell of a deal. But, right. but he, you know, he's one of the real point guards that's so, in the league, right? I mean, that yeah. you know makes other people better. Uh, you you had him, and you went from Miami where you didn't have that kind of a player. How did you figure out how to use him, Fizz? Honestly, I just I watched a ton of film on him. Um, you know, his skill set, uh, saw a lot of different things out of him that I thought I could, you know, emphasize more. Um, you know, a big part of this year and the, the thing that we did tweak a lot was uh, we didn't let Mark and, and Zebo just dominate the strong side post. And mm. so we thought that just by having them post on the backside of our offense, that gives Mike the first option to go because uh, he didn't see a big in front of him every single time. And so that was a big part of it. Obviously, that's something that we um, have, you know, we stole, we twink, we tinkered with, all the, whatever you want to call it when we were in Miami. Uh, definitely a lot of stealing for sure, Spo and I was doing. Um, 
and we we opened up the floor uh, and, and we really gave Mike uh, a lot more freedom to dictate when to go, when not to go. And it was uncomfortable for him because he's so unselfish. Um, you know, I don't think he ever had to get in the kind of condition that I needed him to be in uh, to execute at that level and to compete at that level and to be that aggressive. And so that was all new to him. And, um, you know, he, once he got his legs underneath him, he really took to it and, and took off. And then he got, the, you know, the fractures in the back. Uh, and that set him back. That really set him and us back. Uh, but our, our young guys held the fort together for, you know, like a 7-2 record, I think, with uh, our young guys during that time. And um, Mike came back early from that and really did it, uh, you know, because he's just a, such an incredible teammate, leader, um, you know, just incredible toughness. Uh, I don't know if any of us could have played with that, you know, fractures in our back, but the guy came back and he played for us and he didn't play great. Um, it, it really, um, you know, it was a frustrating time for him because he wanted to help us, but he wasn't playing great because he was playing with a broken back. And then once his body finally got back to normal, you know, on the backside of the season, man, you look at his numbers and he just played, you know, lights out. And even in that Spurs series, he was, he was, you know, Definitely one of the best players on the floor, by, uh, you know, the second best player on the floor behind Kawhi Leonard, really. You're one of my favorite people uh, that has ever been in the league and uh, kind of a neighbor of mine in Florida. But now he's also <laughs> your assistant coach, uh, Vince Carter. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tell me about that guy. I mean, he, he's like, he's an amazing guy. I mean, I think, uh, well, you know, that's right. You talk about the person first yeah. and, yeah. you know, the character of the man. And um, he was just so selfless. You know, I knew I knew Vince from afar. We would yeah. always speak, you know, when we were on opposing teams. He was a pain in my butt, obviously, as a player. Sure. And, um, you know, when I got here, man, it was like we clicked immediately. I went and visited him down in Orlando at his house. And spent the day with them, and we just, you know, we we have a lot of similar interests because we're both around the same age, you know. So <laughs> we, we're hanging out like buddies, you know, and, uh, and and just really have a lot in common and a lot of same, you know, we our memories and our basketball history is a lot of the same stuff. So you know, we really hit it off, man. And he's just such a quality person. He does so yep. much for our community, for his community here in Orlando. He's an incredible father. Um, you know, and I think the biggest thing from a team standpoint that I just really enjoyed is that the way he's uh, adapted, um, you know, throughout his career, according to where he was at and, and you know, at, in the moments that he was at. So he's 40 years old and he's still playing, but he could take his ego out of it and adapt to coming off the bench. And, you know, we're talking about one of the, you know, he was a perennial all star yep. and, and, you know, uh, one of the best players in this league. And. Uh, he has adapted himself to be a team player and, and, you know, check his ego at the door and come off the bench and be a great player for us. And he had a hell of a year this year. Um, you know, whether I don't care what age you are, he just had a really good year off the bench for us. And, you know, but, yeah, starting them by the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, he's really good with your young kids too, right? I mean, oh, as far it's, as it's, – it's, 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 If you don't have them on your team for anything but that, yeah. you know, I mean, that that part of it is just he he's so much of a Jawan Howard type from that yeah, standpoint, good call. you know, where he just – he'll take a young guy and just – really give them all the tools and all the attention necessary from a teammate that a young guy really needs. And, you know, like I tell the story, he really did. He took a room in his house and customized it for Deontay Davis and gave him a place to sleep when he didn't want to stay in his apartment. 
How about that? And he wanted to come out to his place. And so, you know, that just that just says a lot about him. He had guys down at his place during All-Star uh, to work out. You know, he has his own basketball gym. It's a nice little, it's there. a nice little court there. Yes, I've yeah, seen that. And he yeah. had everybody, um, you know, that was over there. He had them all come over to the house and work out at the house, and you know, obviously took care of them and fed them, and um, you know, checked in with me, coach. I got these young guys in the gym, and look at these guys working, and you know, it was it was great, man. And uh, you know, so you can't you can't put a price tag on that stuff. And you can't put a value on that because it's just it's invaluable, uh, and it's a huge part of success and winning in teams. And that's the big thing. He's about team, I think. And 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 for the younger player, I mean, they all know, but that guy, he, yeah. you know, I coached I coached Dominique Wilkins. <laughs> he jumped and over he was just like he was just like the uh, Dominique. I don't want to. Yeah, that's all you got to say. He jumped over a seven foot man and dunked on yes. dunked over him in a real basketball game. <laughs> In the Olympics, yeah, yeah, that's that's something else. Tell me about your relationships. I always admired that, and you know, I'm I'm focused on relationship type coaching, and Mm -hmm. I could always tell, you know, uh, again, just perception from afar, that one of the keys in Miami was the relationship that you had with your big three. Mm-hmm. How does that all come about? I, I know it's organic and it's genuine and stuff like yeah. that. But I know you and LeBron had a very special relationship. Yeah, yeah. I would say all three of those guys. Yeah. We're, we're still close. Like I was, um, you know, when I got down with my little media circuit, I went on right after the yeah. season. I went down to Miami to take a break with my wife because she threatened me if I didn't stop that I was going to be a, you know, a lonely man. So, uh, we went down to Miami and we, uh, you know, out of nowhere, I get a call from D Wade and it's D Wade, Udonis and Chris Bosch. Oh my gosh. Come over to the house for dinner, bring Tasha, you know? And so that's the kind of relationship that we had there. And, you know, so, you know, you talk about those guys and LeBron, it all really took place because I was lucky enough to get there two years before and establish a relationship with Dwayne and Udonis. UD's great. He's a phenomenal person and a great player, and he's going to have a statue and a banner and everything <laughs> he deserves in Miami. I mean, he's just uh, – he is the epitome of team and winning and toughness and yeah, to get, and all in. And, you know, I was lucky to be around UD. You know, people don't talk about him that much when it comes to those teams. The big three is usually the top. Yep. Udonis Haslam was a big part of our success. Um, behind closed doors when it came to keeping that group in check and doing things the right way. So I got a, I got to get a relationship with him, a, huge, a big-time relationship with him and D-Wade. And, you know, they I established myself with them as somebody that cares and that's reliable and that's going to be real with you. And, and, you know, even when it's not good, I'll tell you the truth, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not trying to be your buddy old pal. And they respected that. You know, um, you know. I think the first day I got to Miami, the first game, D Wade and I got in a yelling match, and it was like right away. As soon as it was done, he came and slapped me on my butt. He was like, "All right, you're good." <laughs> like it was almost like he was testing me to see if I was going to back down away from him. Probably and, was, uh, yeah. You know, and me and Udonis and spit at each other so many times. I I lost count of the times me and Ud yelled at each other, and so. But it was always out of love and competition and, and coming from the right place. And so I think we established a real uh, connection through that. And so when we got LeBron and CB, uh, you know, those guys were vouching for me. 
You know, they, they basically, and it was more than that. I mean, we had a lot of big personalities on that team. Juwan Howard was still a young man coming to that team, you know, and, and we we just had some, you know, Norris Cole and, and Mario Chalmers. These guys, they had, everybody was an alpha. Yeah. <laughs> so What a great way know, of putting it. Yeah. yeah. And it was, and that's what you need in that. Look at what's playing now. You don't have yeah. many uh, betas in those games right now, so. Um, they're not the know, ones playing. They're on the bench. Yeah, they're done. They're yeah. done. You know, the, the best of the best is playing. And so you got to have that uh, to get there. And LeBron just, you know, he trusted Dwayne. And, you know, they saw when I got on the court that I was organized. I had a real plan on, on where I wanted to take their game. Um, and that at the same time, you know, I wasn't afraid to disagree with them or hold them accountable when they weren't doing what they needed to do. What makes LeBron special? In your eyes, you know, in, in coaching him, I mean. Um, God, so many ways to say it, but, you know, I think it's his his um, his unselfishness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been something that's also been a curse. Yeah. Uh, because people say, oh, he should have took this shot or he should have done this or he should have done that. So it's always been, you know, something that's bitten him. But I think what's made him his – the greatest, you know, of this generation, uh, and who knows where it ends up, sure. is that he is just an incredibly unselfish basketball player. And, you know, it allows him to do so many different things on the court. Um, it allows his teammates to feel a part of it uh, while they're playing with him. Um, you know, and I think to be that to be that talented and unselfish, you know, that's special. You know, that's when you start talking about the Magic Johnsons and people like that. You know, Larry Bird, the great passers uh, of this of uh, of our game. LeBron is right there with the best of them. And you know, it's it's not just his unselfishness on the court; it's who he was off the court too, with his teammates, with his family, with his community. Um, you know, those are the things I admire about him the most. Everybody knows he, he sure. he's a he's a baller. I mean, the guy is. We are—he's uh, a special basketball player, but I think I admire the man. I admire his speech, his—you know—what he said the other day yep. after having the graffiti on his, uh, you know, the hate speech on his house, and uh, those are the moments that you know the, his his program that he started to to give kids scholarships. And, yep. and man, he is like I, I said this the other day to somebody. I, I really think he's the Muhammad Ali of this generation. I think he is the forefront of, of so, in, in the forefront of social justice uh, and athletes and social injustice and athletes. He is he is right there at, in the front. He just hasn't been put in quite the situations that Muhammad was put in. Uh, but I don't sure. think he would respond any different. I think he would step right up in front and, and do it with poise and and do it you know articulate it incredibly well and. You know, I just, I, I, I've just been really um, lucky to be a part of all of those guys' legacies, but especially him, because he's, we're talking about arguably, he's going to go down as arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest player to ever play. Sure. You know, my, uh, my, it's funny the way you refer to your guys. Uh, it's when you coach uh, people like that and you're part of a legacy team as you were in Miami, mm-hmm. uh, those players down the road, they become your brothers too and uh like you know isaiah thomas is my brother even though i coached him i worked for him you know and uh you know he said two days ago about lebron he said he called him the greatest of all time 
because of what he's doing off the court with social justice mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I knew it, yeah. there was immediate, you know, spit out against Isaiah. But Isaiah's well thought out, very bright, and and I, he knew what he was doing. That wasn't a smack, Mike. Uh, you know, oh, it, you know, you could take I, anything away from what I mean, Michael Jordan he, has accomplished. That's yeah. He was just trying to emphasize how incredible this guy is, yeah. and what his whole package is, and that, oh, and, and he's, I, a, he's a he's a he's a like he's a poster child for how to handle endorsements, how yeah. to deal with. Uh, adversity and in, in social injustice, how to deal with it, be a, be a good teammate. Like he just covers all of it, you know. And it's yeah. like I just uh, it's something to marvel at, really. And it's you know I know with him a big part of his whole deal uh, is those kids, and he wants to be the example uh, for his kids and and his and for them to have somebody to really look up to and be proud of. I've seen him with them. Uh, he's an unbelievable father. That's, like, that's, I mean, he is so great. invested in, in being a good dad without being overbearing, you know, without putting pressure on his kids and all of that stuff. He's just a really awesome dad. And, uh, and, and Savannah's a great mom. And so they take a lot of pride in that stuff. And I just respect it. And, sure. you know, I, I think he's somebody that we, we should really appreciate and not look to tear down as much because he's going to be somebody that's going to be well after basketball, going to be someone that we're going to always uh, see in the forefront. What what made what makes what he's because he's still going. What makes D Wade so so special? Competitive. He's just got yeah. this competitive like gene in him mm-hmm. that I just I've I've never seen a guy who can lock in in the moment like him. You know, and just impact the game. Uh, obviously, he's a he's a freak talent. You know, to still be scoring nineteen a game at his age, yeah. at that position. Uh, if you look at the history of that position and what happens to two guards in this league after the age of 32, 33 years old, uh, there is an incredible fall off the cliff. Yeah, and he has sustained and and even evolved and added. Uh, something to his game every year you know we used to talk about that a lot back in the day is, is what are you going to do to stay relevant what are you going to do to adapt to evolve and you know when I first got there he never posted up and so that's the first thing I went to and we started working on the post-up game Spo had already really built out his um, pull-up and so when I, by the time I got there, we said, let's start posting. So we added that. And then he just started adding more and more. And this year he added the three-point shot. And, you know, that just goes to show you the type of person he is, um, the, the type of worker he is, the, to be able to, you know, look at his game and be real about it and say, this is where I'm weak and I got to get better and then go get it done. Um, you know, I, I just respect the heck out of that. But he's the, ultimately he is the, the most – savage competitor I think wow. I've ever coached um, when it comes to the moment and being in the trench uh, and making the, the play uh, in that big moment. He just is, has a special gift for that. Hey, David, when you went in your San Antonio series and uh, obviously they're a terrific team uh, yeah. and, they, and, they, and they played pretty well against you guys and, you know, but you know, when you had your little post-game uh, presser, as we like to call it, um, yeah. 
the thing, the couple of things that impressed me in that, because I'm watching it live, and you know, and I know what's going to happen as you're going. But what I was really impressed with was how much uh, analytics you had at your disposal immediately after the game. Because usually, <laughs> when we get our ass kicked after a game, you know, I I always remember the assistant coaches going, "Yeah, Chuck, go tell them how we got screwed by the refs." That's right. that was that's the, that's and that's it. Them not knowing other assistants, what it's going to cost you. But you had real data, real data, I didn't mean it like that, but real <laughs> analytics to support yeah. your position about how many times the ball was going inside, how many free throws there. I was blown away by all the analytics that you had, but then I thought a very controlled uh, verbal response uh, and that's not something that we sit in front of the mirror and practice, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I know it was from the heart. Uh, how did that kind of come about? Or how, when you're walking to the well, press room, how does uh, you got to make that decision what you're going to do? How did that come down? Well, I was I already had made the decision that I, as I was walking off the court. You know, I even okay. told Zebo during the game he was about to get attacked, and I told him, "Don't do it." I said, I'll take this one. I'll take it. You right know, and, and I had already knew that I was going to go off, but I didn't want to just go off. I'm too I'm too raw and wet behind the ears to be sitting here, you know, talking crap about Danny Crawford and these great officials uh, at that level if I don't come with some serious facts. You know, I can't sit up there and just say they stunk. Um, that's something, uh, you know, maybe Coach Carlisle and guys that's got, you know, more under their belt than I do can do. Um, but I don't, I never, I didn't feel like I could do that. And I am an analytics guy. I do like to get the numbers. I do like to know what's going on. And so I have a great staff and, and those guys threw some numbers at me and I started thinking a little bit while I was sitting back stewing in the office. Yeah. I started putting some numbers together with what the staff gave me and, you know, it just, you know, maybe you could say I contrived it to make it paint the picture I wanted, or maybe it's just that's what the numbers say. And so I just wanted to make that case. And and I think more than anything, it wasn't about trying to tear the referees down as much as just show my team, I believe you can win, and I'm willing to go this far uh, to fight for a playing ground that I think is even for you to get you to understand I believe that much in you that you can win. And, you know, Thank goodness they responded. I really thought they responded with, with you know, like a, like you want your team to respond. It's the way I think any head coach would have been proud sure. um, if his team responded the way that my guys did. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I even said this too, like as calculated as I was and, and, and as calm as I was when I was saying the whole thing, I do regret mm-hmm. calling those guys unprofessional because that wasn't right. I should yeah. not have said that about Danny Crawford and, yeah. And Bill and Rodney Mott, those guys didn't deserve that. So yeah, they're professional. You know, they just I, had a bad I, I, game. At the point that I'm, yeah. obviously, I'll be apologizing to them man to man. But like I said, I, I, I don't mind saying it publicly because I ran it publicly. So, right. You know, um, and those guys are great refs. Yeah, Buster Hump. You know, they don't have a dog in that race. You know, I was just hot and yeah, trying to get trying to trying to and desperate. I am desperate. Down to old Spurs is not a comfortable <laughs> feeling. I don't care what where your home court is at. <laughs> you know, uh, how about the response of your players to you when you did it that? Was, it was phenomenal. It was really phenomenal. Mike, you know, Mike Conley texted me that night when we landed about four in the morning. Said, Coach, we really appreciate you um, and, and stepping up for us and we'll have your back. 
And, you know, the next day, I didn't even know. He never even said anything. But the, I got interviewed the next day, and they said, you know, just so you know, your players paid your fine, you know, and, and really stepped up for you. How do you feel? And I was like, come on, that's – what else can you ask for as a yeah. coach? You know, when when your troops um, rally behind you uh, and, and elevate their games to, to to make you out to to make sure that your words are true and that you to prove that your team does belong in that series and that your team can't compete with a with a giant like the Spurs. Well, uh, it was something to see, and it made uh, it made. Uh, you know, some playoffs that were hard to watch for several weeks. It was one of the best things I saw all playoffs. <laughs> so, you know. Hey, man, these two teams are just blowing through this thing. Oh, I'll tell you, it, it's like something we haven't seen in a long mm. time. Uh, hey, I'm really looking forward to seeing you out in uh, Vegas and uh, speaking to our coaches from Coaching You. It's going to be great for you to share with those guys. But, uh, David, I'm really, really appreciative for what you're doing in coaching uh, having been a vice president of the Coaches Association for 10 years and been a coach for 30 years in the league, uh, you are what coaching in the NBA is all about, the best of the best, and really putting players first, understanding our business. But excellence is your middle name, brother, and uh, you're special. Man, and I really Well, you guys you. laid the groundwork for me to even have this opportunity, so I'll never take that for granted. You know, you guys like Ron Rothstein and or you know the Chuck Dailies, and so I never, I never take that for granted. So I, I can express to you how much I appreciate you and everything you've done for our game, and I'm really looking forward to doing the the, the clinic out in Vegas. That's going to be fun. Well, it's going to be great. And again, uh, I know we have so many coaches that are listening, men and women coaches all over the world that listen to our podcast and uh, mm -hmm. really appreciate you sharing with them. They really love this stuff. And uh, again, in July, look forward to seeing you, David. Thanks so much. Thank you, sir.